Hi everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this is an independent podcast made possible by supporters just like you. On Patreon, our community of whip-smart mystics is growing all the time, and you're invited. When you join, you get access to tons of exclusive content like horoscopes, taroscopes, forecasts, bonus episodes, show notes, and the chance to ask a question about your natal chart in our monthly Q&A video. If the quarantine is getting to you, there's lots in the archive to keep you occupied. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com badastro and join us. The easiest way to show your support is by leaving a positive review on iTunes so the algorithm can work its magic and show this podcast to even more people who might love it too. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Bad Astrologers, so come say hi after you listen. Now, time for the episode. On the day this is released, Mars retrograde will begin in Aries. It's a much-hyped transit for good enough reasons and is set to be incredibly difficult. There's already a whole episode about that if you want the full scoop. But now, as we stand on the edge of it together, the thing we've been building towards and falling into anxiety spirals about the entire year, I wanted to give you more. There's this thing that happens where I want to give you all the softest landing possible for every single transit, and I couldn't help but feel that there was more support, more hope, and more magic to offer in this tough moment. So, you know how I do the lunar pep talks on Instagram? This is a cosmic pep talk that you can come back to anytime you're having a tough transit or a retrograde that's grinding your gears or an eclipse that's just turned your life or your understanding of the world upside down. The things we turn to as astrologers in times of crisis are powerful, but fortunately, they're also pretty simple. So I share the techniques that can help you stay afloat, whether you just downloaded an astrology app for the very first time or have been using solar fire since you can remember. And maybe it's the Mars station, but I also share some extremely hot takes on the state of the astrology community and how we can do better. Basically, consider this your astrological first aid kit. I hope it helps you heal whatever you might be going through and whatever parts of your soul might be sore, tender, or raw. So sit back, relax, and let's dig in. So first, let's talk philosophy for a second. I want to talk about the big why behind what we do as stargazers and remind you that in astrology, perspective is everything. One question I've been thinking a lot about in the year of our Lord 2020 is how do we find light in this darkness? Where are the moments of joy or is it wrong to look for joy and pleasure and hope when things feel so bad? Um, or is it a privilege to be able to consider hope at all? Um, I don't have the definitive answer to that, but I do think that when we take an astrological approach, there are some responses that can help us ground and center and find a path forward that is bright and not just completely gloomy. So first, we need to talk about the words good and bad and how they're used or weaponized in astrology, (laughs) things can be astrologically good in the long term, but feel subjectively shitty in the process. That's usually how a Saturn transit works or really how any outer planet transit goes. 
And also things can be experienced as subjectively fun or bring positive things like fame or money or love into your life, but can come with all manner of strings attached. So think about Jupiter transits, right? Um, so one of the most essential skills of the astrologer is being able to untangle the subjective qualities of a planet or transit or retrograde or anything else from the objective effects that it has. So 2020 is an interesting year to consider this with because we were waylaid by near constant retrogrades. We started out with Saturn conjunct Pluto smashing all the structures we knew were broken but had to come to find you know, comfortable and familiar. We had both malefics, Mars and Saturn, in rare form with extended transits in the signs they rule and square to each other. Um, and we're still in the thick of that. But I will remind you, all of this happened against a backdrop of gentle nudges from Jupiter, the planet of good fortune, who traveled alongside Saturn and Pluto this year and sent good vibes to Neptune in a sextile along the way. And yes, I get it. Jupiter was definitely restricted in its approach and was at a disadvantage in the sign of its fall. But the fact remains that even in bad times, those Jupiter transits can be, and I'm doing scare quotes, good. So ultimately, the world and the cosmos is a balance of light and darkness, of good and bad, of happy and sad, and everything about this practice of astrology reflects that. You likely have a mix of what would be considered good and bad transits and placements going on at once. And the movements of the stars are cyclical. Sometimes you go through periods that are tougher than others, and other times you emerge victorious in your endeavors with relative ease and not much effort. But usually there are checks and balances. And look, I get it. I'm not saying that you can go out and manifest things out of thin air when things like poverty and systemic racism and so many other prejudices and injustices exist in the world. This is not bootstrap astrology. But I also think we can all agree that however bad things are now, we wouldn't want to go back to normal because normal is actually racist or sexist or homophobic or so many other words that describe the worst in humanity. And we've realized through the transits that have happened this year that we can all do better. So if that's the way this looks in 2020, my first thought um, was, what's coming up for us in 2021? Like, uh, clients all the time are constantly asking me, when is this going to stop? When do we get some sort of like part in the cloud? So I was like, let me look at 2021 and see what's coming down the pike. And it's so interesting to me because on the astrology internet, I am already reading about how 2021 is set to be with more scare quotes, a trash fire, a garbage year, horrible, or all these other descriptors that we so loved applying to 2020 because it gave us a sense of closeness and intimacy during this objectively traumatic global experience. You know, I really do understand that, but I'm here to tell you that 2021, it's not so bad. I'm not saying it's the best year in the world, but by my measure, it's pretty damn good. 
there's no Mars retrograde. The eclipses look pretty all right. We'll have the greater benefic Jupiter out of its fall and into its traditional home of Pisces for a while, which will feel comparatively really nice. And yes, we'll have to contend with the Saturn Uranus squares, but at least that will, with any luck, drive some positive and long overdue social change. Ultimately, here's what I'm trying to say. Yes, sometimes things are objectively horrible, and there is deep value in naming that and being in the shit together alongside each other. But it's also true that if you're looking for something, you are so much more likely to find it. So when you're in a challenging transit, it is absolutely essential to try to find the good and the beautiful within those experiences and make the most of it. As I say this, <laughs> I immediately thought of the texts that go to my most beloved friends that are like the truest signal of like deep understanding and I'm here for you. <laughs> and it's the question, can I be a bitch for a second? So to you, dear listener and beloved friend, I'm going to ask the same thing. Can I be a bitch for a second? Here we go with the rant. We get it. Malefic planets are malefic. They are hard, they make life difficult, frustrating, goddamn irritating, and sometimes just fucking terrible. They aren't magic manifestation beams that zap cash into your wallet or Gucci into your closet. And while, yes, I'm happy that astrology has advanced to a more honest and historically grounded place in the last 10 years, sometimes I just can't help but wonder, can we relax? Would it be so bad if maybe just for a second we thought about how the malefics could support us and that they sometimes can have good delineations like ambition or desire or habit or structure? Here's the deal. I believe that it is possible to look for beauty in life without conceding your intellectual integrity. Because isn't that beauty and that joy the point of living? I would rather use astrology to make my life better, to feel good and find pockets of delight in these times of crisis than to hide in a bunker or give in to the pressure and to the pain. At any rate, that's what I'm here to help you do, and I hope you find what you're looking for, no matter what transit you're having. Whew, feels good to have that on my chest. Anyways, next up. So when we talk about finding beauty and hope and joy, where can we find it in the stars? The answer is a simple idea called planetary remediation. So planetary remediation is a fancy term used by people who want to show that they've read lots of expensive astrology books or dusty medieval tomes. It just means using what you know about the stars and their correspondences to offset any bad in quotes, again, bad, or difficult alignments happening either in your natal chart or in the sky at the present moment. Um, alongside the phrase planetary mediation, you might also hear the phrase astrological or planetary propitiation, which means appealing directly to a spirit or deity for help with an astrological problem. So planetary propitiation is appealing directly to the planetary intelligence or deity that aligns with that planet's archetype. So if you're having a Mars problem, since it's Mars retrograde day, um, like we talked about in the Mars retrograde management episode, you might appeal to 
um, a warrior goddess like Athena or Sekhmet or even Kali for the brave and hopefully culturally respectful folks among us. So a little bit of background on what planetary remediation is and how it works. So the old school alchemists, I'm talking Hermes, the Thriceborn, John Dee, and the like, and even further back than that, even in the classical world, they assigned correspondences to certain colors, herbs, metals, gems, and more to each planet. So if you're trying to better channel that planet's energy or work with it, um, for example, let's say you want to get a job and so therefore you want to work with Jupiter for good luck. You might use some of the herbs or metals associated with that planet as a way to connect with or honor it. So here are a couple simple examples. First, Mars rules the metal iron. And in the episode that I love so much with Vanessa Arena, um, we talked about lifting weights or pumping iron as a form of Mars remediation, which is amazing. She has these kettlebells that she's put like Mars glyphs on. Um, it's incredible because it is bringing that like old school alchemical um, association of the metal into the very modern practice of like a kettlebell workout. Um, another example is that Venus, planet of beauty and love, rules roses. So adding like a rose water toner to your beauty routine could be another simple form of Venus remediation. So you get the idea of how this goes. A short side note for the very astrologically initiated among you. I'm not talking about talismans or making complicated materia magica, which ultimately have the stamp on them of the, the moment that they were made. So if you make a talisman, like a a ring that's meant to be astrologically infused with certain energies, or even even something as simple as like a ritual oil, um, just using some kitchen witchery of like olive oil and cinnamon and like basil or something. Um, when you make that, it's almost as though on the label should be printed the astrological chart of the moment it was made. So if you're trying to do some solid Venus remediation and Venus is in like, I don't know, Virgo, the sign of its fall. Sorry, I'm dunking on myself since I have Venus in Virgo. Um, and it's making really messy aspects like lots of squares and oppositions, that oil is going to work a lot differently than an oil when Venus is in, let's say, Pisces when it's exalted um, and it's making trines to Jupiter, the greater benefic. Um, really complicated, um, but basically, yeah, every single talisman or materia magica should come with a I wouldn't call it a warning label, but just like a, hey, this is what this is label. Um, and when you hear people say like, oh, you need to be careful about the timing of when you do certain types of magic or create certain types of things astrologically, that's what they're referring to. Um, but I think that if you're like constantly, let's say you're like 2020, for example, you can't sit around in, in a hole in the ground waiting for the perfect election to show up. Like we're in this shit and magic or astrology or whatever practices you use are here to help you wade through it, right? Or, you know, find a way to maybe get out of the shit and take a shower and clean yourself up a little bit. Um, so yeah, if we only did magic when the election was perfect, like what would we actually need magic for? Anyways, that's a big soapbox aside, but that's that's another issue. What I'm talking about is the absolute simplest techniques you can use to 
make things a little fucking easier for yourself because it's been a tough year and I want you to feel like at least something is going right for you, you know? So when you're doing planetary remediation, um, in my mind, there's two tactics you can take. Um, you can either remediate or balance out the malefics. So as we've talked about, the malefics would be uh, Mars and Saturn. Um, if you're having a particularly tough transit of either one, um, you could plan activities um, or use certain herbs or other correspondences, metals, um, even just simple... It could be as simple as if Saturn is structure, you restructure the way that you do your daily planner to be more organized and help you, you know, actually make measurable progress towards your ambitions, right? If it's Mars, it can be something like exercise or ecstatic dance or moving your body, even just breath work to um, engage the physical body, which is one of Mars's alignments. Um, it doesn't have to be really complicated. But yeah, there's the balancing out of the malefics, which I think has... I've talked a ton about it on the podcast already. I gotta re-recommend my Mars Retrograde Management episode. And then for the subscribers to the Patreon, there's an episode called Surviving Saturn. And we do talk a lot about um, how to work with the energy of Saturn. I share my, um, my seven best tips for dealing with that fucker's energy. Um, so it's really good for anybody who might be having a Saturn transit. Um, but what I tend to focus on as far as my planetary remediation is focusing on the benefic planets. The benefics are your friends. So in traditional astrology, um, there are three benefic planets, maybe two, depending on who you ask, but I think there's three. Um, they are Jupiter, the greater benefic, Venus, the lesser benefic, and then the sun, um, which is considered to be sort of energizing and add to your vitality. So if you're going through some really bad shit, basically looking to those three planets, using their correspondences in some way can help you lighten the load is how I would describe it. It's not going to make the difficulty go away. It's not going to, you know disappear it, but it is going to help you find smaller wins along the way to help keep your spirits up. So again with the benefics, so first benefic you're going to want to know is Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of health and wealth, of fortune and glory, of happiness and that general sense of well-being that everything is going to be okay, which honestly, uh, we all need that kind of optimism in our lives right now. Um, Jupiter was also a god that loved to party, so if you just want to feel good and have fun, he is your guy. Um, the energy of Jupiter is very expansive, so when you are doing Jupiter-type things, the one thing I would caution you with is that Jupiter tends to expand whatever it touches. And that could be as literal or as figurative as, um, you know, as you can imagine. Sometimes the way it begins is you realize you realize how much desire you have and how it's unfulfilled. And so you follow that expansive Jupiter path of getting out of your comfort zone to be able to get there. So yes, if you're looking for all the, the good things that people go to astrologers for, look at what Jupiter's doing in your chart, right? What uh, sign, house, and aspects it, it are going on with it? What houses of your horoscope does it rule? Um, and those are going to be areas where you are naturally gifted or 
um, naturally have some sort of innate ability to excel or at the very least like accelerate. I, I think of Jupiter as being a very accelerating influence. Um, also looking at how Jupiter is dignified in your chart. So I have Jupiter um, in detriment in Gemini so and retrograde, but I don't really think about the retrograde as much. So sometimes for me, even though I am a Jupiter ruled person as a Sagittarius rising, um, having Jupiter in detriment means that I have to just work a little harder to access it. But again, like I said before, you get what you focus on. Bad things can still happen to you, but if you're looking for the good things, it's way more likely to, you're more likely to notice it. So the lesser benefic is Venus, the love goddess who rules over, also rules over beauty and value and pleasure and delicious material experiences and romance, sex, flirtations, and of course, creativity and artistry, um, fashion, film, music, all of those things that, I don't know, it reminds me of the movie The Dead Poet Society, like this is what we live life for, like that's the very Venusian um, way of thinking about things. So with Mars, I often look to Venus to balance that out. Mars is sort of the aggressor. Um, and Venus can often comes in a, in a diplomatic role or a peacemaker or just the one who, the persuader, the one who um, smooths things over. So if you are getting overwhelmed by the Mars and Aries and retrograde intensity of like, I just need to turn down the volume a little bit. Um, you know what it kind of is like? Um, Venus remediation during this Mars retrograde is kind of like putting aloe vera on a really bad sunburn. <laughs> Have you ever like gone to the beach? I'm super fair skinned and so I've gotten some really heinous sunburns in my life that I think I still might have some scars from. Um, and you know, you, you come in and you know, someone has to like put that gross blue gel on your back, but afterwards you're like, oh my god. I can move and, you know, do some semblance of normal life. Like, that's how Venus remediation works. It's just like, I don't know, a cool glass of water, like having a nice bath and some nice skincare, all those sorts of things. It's like the sheet mask of planetary magic, I guess. Um, the sun, like I said, rules vitality, energy, fame or really anything that you want to illuminate. Um, it's great for anything where you want to be either like highly visible in a public way or be seen as an authority. So that's really what I bring the sun in for. Um, it's also really good for in times of trouble, staying really true to your, I'm thinking like the thalamic concept of the true will, like what is your desire? What do you really want? Um, what is your inner light, right? Um, and using that inner light as like your, like in the tarot, the hermit's lantern to help guide you forward. So again, look at what those planets are doing in your chart. If you, if they're in a difficult place, then consider like how, how does that make you different? How does that make you more unique? Like how, how has that potentially caused times of trace? crisis, like crisis or trauma for you, but also like how has it given you an inventive and unusual way of dealing with things? Like that matters. Um, a good example of how the benefits can take the edge off in a transit way um, is that over this past weekend, 
Um, Mercury went into Libra, which is ruled by Venus. And then Venus went into Leo, um, sort of aligning her with the sun, which is also a benefic influence, in my opinion. And immediately, it was just like, even the folks that I talked to were like, yes, let's put on an amazing playlist. Let's adorn ourselves. Let's just do a little selfie photo shoot. Let's um, eat some really wonderful food. Let's watch films that give us life. Um, I, I went out and I found some really beautiful, like a beautiful silk blouse for like only $12. I found a beautiful floral necklace. I guess I'm going to have to post a picture wearing that outfit now. Um, but yeah, it didn't make my Mars retrograde or Mars stationing problems go away. Like I came into work and, um, you know, I, I looked at my life, my personal life in a general sense and like I'm still working through it, but it, at least I got to have a beautiful necklace and like some nice music and like be moisturized while it all happens. Um, so another great technique, I don't know if this would be considered planetary remediation or not, but it is essential magic in trying times, is using the planetary days and hours. So each day of the week is obviously aligned to a different planet, one of the seven um, traditional or classical planets. Um, and then the planetary hours, so each hour of the day, it doesn't correspond evenly to like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. It's timed, um, it's divided based on when sunrise and sunset are in your specific location. So you have to get a specific calculator to help you find them. Um, but similar to using the planetary days, um, doing something during the hour that's associated with a particular planet can help give it a boost. And this is something I never really did much of before this year. Um, but in the last year, I have started planning things by the planetary hours. And there is no other more um, consistent, that's the word I meant, there is no other more consistent magical technique that I've ever tried. So even if you are having to do something during this hellhole of a fall, um, at least you could do it maybe on the Jupiter hour or the Venus hour or the sun hour um, to just give it that little boost. And sometimes just that little teeny bit of, of sugar to go with the spice makes it really sweet. I've, I've seen some really cool stuff happen. And, it, you know, even if you... Life is sometimes out of our hands. We, some, we can't control exactly when we meet with every human being. But the cool thing about the planetary hours is that it can help you adjust your approach. So let's say that you have to meet with somebody during the Saturn hour. Um, that would not be a time to go in like elbows, you know, elbowing somebody with some funny jokes or trying to be um, overly optimistic, like being very authoritative, being more grounded. Um, being really honest if a situation sucks, um, that will help, <laughs> help you get through it. Coming in extremely organized and well-prepared, these are basic things that you should be doing for every meeting, but just in a general sense. It can, it can also help prepare you for like, okay, what's the, what's the mood? What's the vibe I'm walking into? And you might be surprised how like accurate it is. You know, if you go in on a Mars hour, maybe people are really like excited to be productive or they're like kind of aggro. Um, 
give it a shot. Let me know what you think. My favorite app for calculating planetary hours is Time Nomad. Um, they also have a bunch of other stuff in there, like daily transits to your personal natal chart, but I pretty much just use the planetary hours function. It's super cool and very, very powerful. So on top of the planetary hours, again, I cannot stress this enough, use the cycles of the moon to your advantage. For the magician, this is the absolute foundation. This is first principles. This is something that a lot, I'm sure a lot of you are already doing, but even those of us who are very experienced mystics, I think the way that the um, signs that the moon goes through can like unfold themselves to us like a flower and show like, oh, here's a new way that that can manifest is kind of humbling and exciting. Um, an example is I've always struggled with Taurus moons. Um, maybe we all do. I like posting about, you know, the Taurus moon being related to, uh, you know, Venus and pleasure and just wanting to enjoy creature comfort since the moon is exalted there. Um, you know, a really great activity for a Taurus moon is just like eating snacks and binging Netflix and not doing a whole lot at all. Um, but not all of us have the luxury of just like shutting our life down for an entire two and a half day period, um, but it can help you get an understanding of what to expect. If you have the ability to plan your schedule, use the Taurus moon for Taurian things. This, this past Taurus moon, I used it for um, styling some things, choosing some new outfits, um, doing some skincare, taking baths, you know, all these very Venusian activities. And I had, for the first time ever, a really lovely Taurus moon experience. Um, and I think that is, that's what it's all about, following the lunar cycles is, and that's really what astrology is for, is learning how to live in rhythm with the stars and with the universe, instead of trying to force things, you know, it's kind of like a, a cosmic current, and we can use that current to carry us instead of having to do all the work on our own, so... Look up and see what signs the moon is transiting to and see if you can't plan some of your activities to go along with it. You don't have to plan your whole schedule with it, but let it be an experiment for you if it's something that you're new to, right? Um, maybe try and do one thing every day that aligns with whatever the moon sign is. Um, pay attention to when the moon is void. Um, so the void moon is when the moon has made its last aspect in one sign before it moves into the next one. Um, and because the moon isn't making any more aspects, it's kind of, the moon is off by itself, right? It's not, it's left the office, right? It has its out of office message on and it's not really responding to emails right now. So the traditional advice is like, if you really want a message to get through, like it's not a great time to send an important email. We all have to send the emails during Mars retrograde, like let's be real. Um, but if you're really trying to plan astrologically some sort of huge life move, like try to avoid the moon voids, you might also just notice your energy is a little bit low. Um, it's a good time to work on projects that you've previously started or doing things that are kind of behind the scenes work. So like research instead of like doing a writing, hardcore writing project or doing something that's more creative and flowing as opposed to something that has to be like this is a certain way. Um, and then, of course, in addition to the moon signs and voids, um, use the moon phases to your advantage. Um, 
you know, this is something I feel like we take for granted in astrology, that especially since it's become so popular in the last several years, um, that everybody knows about manifesting at the new moon and setting intentions at the full moon. Um, but the concept is really simple, and farmers have been using it for, I don't know, eons? <laughs> So the basic concept is that when the moon is new, that's the best time to start new projects and throughout the waxing phase, do things that you want to see grow. Um, the full moon is a moment of culmination and fruition and is good for anything that needs a little extra illumination or boost. And then as the moon wanes, it's a good time to wind down certain activities, um, do things that you want to wrap up. Um, if we're thinking about planning money activities for either one, um, the waxing moon would be a good time to do a spell of trying to bring money in and then the waning moon would be banishing debts or like paying off bills um, as opposed to like trying to not every everything in magic is a balance right like not everything is just like let's amass all the wealth like part of that wealth building is getting rid of debts and getting to that zero so you can go above it and have a solid net worth so you get the basic idea um, as far as your natal chart, your own moon sign can also be a safe haven in tough times. Um, if you want to get really fancy with it, check out your progressed moon sign as well. Um, I have my progressed moon in Leo right now, and that has been a lesson and a half. It's been a lot. Um, but yeah, the moon, if you're going through a really difficult experience as far as astrological first aid, the moon is often your first instinct or how you react to things. It's your emotional safety net and what makes you feel comfortable. So if you just feel really uncomfortable, if you just feel like raw and overstimulated from the Mars in Aries retrograde situation, Doing something associated with your moon sign can help you unwind or get back to baseline. And that's going to be different for everybody, right? Not everyone is a moon in cancer, like, let's be a hermit and sit under the blankets. Like, moon in Gemini, like myself, I immediately will go to, like, media. Like, I need a film or a song or a book that's going to refuel my inner tank. Um, if you're moon in Aries, um, physical exercise or competition is great. Or if you're a moon in Leo, having some sort of way to perform or like get that energy out in the form of creativity is magic. It's amazing. So yes, moon signs, moon voids, moon phases, and your own moon sign natal and progressed will really, really help you find your way in these dark times. So as we wrap up, some practical advice for you. First of all, put your mask on first. Um, and I mean that in the sense of like everybody wear a mask just to keep everyone safe. Um, but what I'm trying to say with that is that self-care is everything. Um, and I don't mean self-care in the sense of like spend a lot of money that you don't have to try to, you know, numb a problem that needs attention. I mean that if you really want to be in service to others, you first have to look after yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. And if any of y'all know my placements, I am not naturally good at this. It takes a lot of practice, but it is so worth it. If you do one thing for yourself during this Mars retrograde, make it put your mask on first. But don't go it alone. Again, with self-care, finding your support system is so important whether it's literal people, 
um, like those you admire, um, best friends, mentors, or even spirits or deities or just stories that can help prop you up in times where you're feeling frustrated or down or depleted. You know, identify those folks who can give you a hand and help pull you back up if you're feeling um, stuck at the bottom of the pit. <laughs> it's, you know, straightforward, but sometimes the best astrological remediation is just some tough love. So in conclusion, I want you to think about something for me. I want you to think of your favorite movie. And now think of your favorite character. I want you to think about their experiences during the film. Did everything go super easy for them the whole time? <laughs> Probably not, because as any screenwriter or novelist or storyteller will tell you, a good narrative needs conflict. It's the fuel that keeps things going and the grindstone that keeps things sharp and interesting. Because if we all got what we wanted in the first act, that would be incredibly boring and we would never grow. That doesn't mean, like we talked about before, that it's going to feel subjectively good. But imagine what Lord of the Rings would be like if Frodo and Sam had never left the Shire. Sometimes going on an adventure is the very best thing that you can do, even if it's not one that you chose. So as an astrologer, I'm not here to remove conflict from your life. You still have to face it, even if you come to me and say, when will my career get better? How am I going to find love? I'm feeling so depleted. I can give you skills and show you strengths to use in that conflict and in that fight or help you identify which weaknesses to be aware of so you can protect yourself. But you still have to show up to the battle. And that's what I'm asking you to do with this Mars retrograde. It's scary, it's exciting, but it is definitely not the last difficult astrological experience you're going to have. But at least we can be in it together. I so hope that you found this podcast helpful. I hope that it gives you some guidance and light in dark times. And yeah, I, I at least hope it gave you a laugh. Um, sometimes that's, that's all we really need. So if this spoke to you in any way, consider going to patreon.com slash badastro and contributing. Like I said, I love giving patrons things. Um, so there, there's a lot there in the archives for you to play with to hopefully keep you distracted during this challenging fall. Um, but most importantly, just know that you're, you're deeply cared for and that this is hopefully something to make you happy and be a safe, safe place for you. Good luck, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.